A very warm welcome to NTI's CPD Tap, and today we've got a special treat for you. We are interviewing um, one of the one of the the the, um, the present highlights of the profession, but also one of the future stars. Mr. Luke Wilson of FRP Advisory is joining me here uh, for a conversation about many issues, not least the uh, the um, the article he published very recently on LinkedIn. Uh, and Luke is a very old friend of of NTI. A very, a very good afternoon, Luke. Afternoon, Neil. Thanks for uh, for asking me to to come and pontificate with you. It's a real pleasure. And I'm going to look that up, but I'm sure it's I'm sure, sure that's not at all filthy. But thank you, Luke. That that sounds great. So just to give you the background of the person that I'm talking to. Um, so Luke, uh, Luke Wilson's with FRP Advisors. You can see on the screen, and he has been there, I think, for ten years now, which is amazing. But also having celebrated 12 years experience in corporate insolvency, a massive range of experience from what I remember of Luke, dealing with what solvent liquidations, corporate simplification exercises, which we might need to dig deeper into as we go through in our conversation. But one of the main reasons I was really, really delighted that Luke agreed to join me in this conversation is that he has managed a huge number of, of large retail administrations throughout COVID um, and over, you oversaw, I think, Luca, 1,000 retail stores in all. I mean, massive, massive amount of experience in that. But also, at the moment, managing a large portfolio of solvent and, and also insolvent liquidations, working across a variety of sectors, including, I'm just panting off my fingers here, financial services, publishing, media, retail, property, hospitality, healthcare, and professional services. So this is why Luke's here with us today at NTI on CPD Tap. So, Luke, um, so great to have you with us. I mean, and it's 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 a it's a it's a really um it's an interesting time. I don't know if you saw. I think you did see. I think we chatted about it before, didn't we? The uh, the publication of the for the of the by the insolvency service of the latest insolvency statistics for May, showing an increase of forty percent of in of um of of insolvency of corporate insolvencies. During May, so we look at May twenty three compared to May twenty two, the numbers are forty percent up. Strangely, it was twenty three percent down in April, but all of the previous twelve months have shown very rapid rises in um, in corporate insolvencies, which is certainly our clients here at NTI have been saying they are mad busy. And and what what is your perspective of that at, at FLP, Luke? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, interestingly, when you track that percentage against pre COVID. It's 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 a slightly different perspective again, I think, isn't it? But in terms of um, the last couple of years, as you say, it's forty percent up, and definitely we've seen uh, an uptick on CVLs. Um, as a firm, I wouldn't say we necessarily mirrored the original or, or the initial uptick out of COVID on CVLs, and that's partly just because actually I should say as a, as an office, as a London office, that's partly just because a lot of what we do is. A, administrations but yeah there's been a big um big uptick uh, from clients who have come to us and perhaps it's just simply too late and initially they're coming to us saying look can we do an ama slash pre-pack administration and we've tried and there just isn't appetite or cash runway to do it and it's a cvl or it's just a straight cvl so definitely we've seen that and it's not not a um barrage of massive marquee jobs at the moment it's more a case of lots of smaller jobs you know and and you alluded to some of the retail work we did in in uh, lockdown at that point there wasn't lots of work but there were some much bigger ticket jobs so that's kind of you know i'd say i'd say we 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 are experiencing some of that uptick 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting point you made about the small corporate um, liquidation CBLs. The I read an article from Rick Trainer, a Bakery's trainer, of course, in the last two three weeks, and he said that he now really expects there to the, 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 some of the bigger jobs to follow. The you know that there's signs in the marketplace of, of even of big, the big end companies have having hung on during COVID and taken maybe civils and, and other and other types of um, haircuts etc from their landlords. But now they look like they could be about to fall off the cliff face. And of course, FRP had, I think I'm right in saying, you either number two or number one in the number of administrations uh, throughout the entire UK in 2022. So what, 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 what's the administration's market like at the moment? Yeah, and, and, and you're right. And it was it would be remiss of me not to say, yes, we were number one in, in 2022. Number one. Number one. Um, um, yeah, I definitely. And again, certainly... Um, as an office in London, we see a lot of administrations. That's a lot of our expertise and, and, and specialties. Um, I think there are still kind of what you would call big jobs in inverted commas. And how do you coin a big job where you'd probably say, what's the turnover of the company? How many staff do they have? How many offices do they have? What's the whip? Um, all of that. Um, we're still experiencing some of those, but they won't. But they're not those kind of blockbuster, Jaeger, Peacocks, monsoon accessorized type you know, uh, PR uh, uh, kind of jobs. Um, the administration market, I would say, is all about pre-packs, and it has been for six months or so now. I was presenting uh, a client um, over the over the bridge, over the other side of London Bridge a few months ago, and we were talking about this, the fact that actually it kind of went through a phase of advisory slash contingency planning work, which suggests, okay, I've got, as a company, I've got some cash runway here. I've got some pressure. I'm slightly stressed, but I'm not in a dire state. So I've got time to look at this. And then it seems to have evolved more into pre-packs, which suggests actually the cash runway is a lot shorter. The time available isn't isn't what it was. And um, and we need a solution sooner. So there's been a huge uptick for us in uh, pre-pack administrations. And, um, and that hasn't slowed down in the last few months. Really interesting. I think yeah, that mirrors um, what I've been hearing. That it's it's interesting from an internal perspective. So, so looking at your article, Luke, which I really, really enjoyed, uh, and and this is one of the main reasons that we are chatting today. I mean, you and I chat quite a quite a bit anyway, but it's good to chat with you formally on on CD Tap. You talked about the challenges, particularly the challenges of the UK construction sector, and um, and and you put some pretty interesting statistics in that. I'm not going to I'm not going to say what they are because I don't want to steal your thunder. But so, so particularly, is this something you've been particularly involved in the um, construction sector recently? Yeah, I think we've had I've I've had my own personal experience in the last um, couple of months, last certainly since this year has started, um, and then the wider office and, and team members are also. Um, seeing an uptick and, and when I say an uptick it would be disproportionate to say you know it, it's a barrage of construction companies but there is a noticeable uptick in uh, people coming forward with initial inquiries or requests for advice and then formal appointments um, so yeah it's definitely something we, we've seen thrust into the foresight uh, you know six 12 months ago it was tech and it seems to be constructions having a mini a mini peak with us at the moment. Yeah, because you you mentioned in your article, I think you were quoting Marshall's uh, that they're FTSE 250, aren't they? And you talked about a drop of revenues by was it 14 percent in quarter one, or and a drop in their share price. Is that something that you is is that one of the things when you you read that's not in the Times, I think was it? Was that one thing that you that inspired you to write the article or to bring it to people's attention? 
Yeah, I think that. Yeah, quite right. Yeah, and and I, I guess and you know, th thanks for for highlighting that because that is actually you know when I saw that I thought well actually this mirrors what we're seeing and um you know as the the times did highlight that's you know pretty stark numbers you know pre-pandemic share price of 800 pence to to 276 pence you know and that's and marshall's as you said a FTSE 250 company and and they're they're a big player so if that's what's happening at that level it, it's concerning for the market um and definitely you know some of the we, we were appointed very recently probably two weeks ago over a large um construction company or or or, or um yeah yeah manufacturer and um contractor sorry and um and and the numbers there were pretty eye-watering um but when you break that down you start to look at how they've arrived at the position they're in it actually makes a lot of sense and and in order to prevent that which and i won't go off on too much of a tangent here uh, it would actually take a lot of um good foresight and day-to-day -day management so i'm quite sympathetic of anyone that is in that position because it's a complex market yeah one thing i've, I've always enjoyed about our conversations luke and 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 you, you raised this in your article as well was the about the chat about challenges bringing out the best in people uh in in life generally of course of course commercially and of course financially and in terms of running a business but it was it's really interesting to just to read about you know that i know that you're particularly sensitive to the issues of people and you and i know you always think about this being a very empathic person but and, and i when i was uh when i'm a, a qualified coach and i've had a lot of experience in that type of thing in my course of my my 250 year career but the but when i was i remember being an executive coach of a it was a it was a 5100 company in fact a really well known one but it's the ceo so i'm not going to mention too much and he once came to me um is a is a american chap who's running the company over here in london and he he talked about his, his these massive challenges, and so I sat him down. I simply said, "Okay, so let's look at the." Let's, and I drew him a brilliant, a very ad hoc on a very ad hoc piece of paper. And anyone who knows me knows I can use a flip chart like like any other completely legible person in the world. And I and I and I wrote down you know, three three things you can do, three things you can't do, and I then wrote down resources after that, which so is three columns. I said, "What are the three things you think you can do?" And you know, after a while, he, he started to untangle one from another. And the first thing he told me, which is a very natural response, is one of the things he couldn't do. And I said, so he put it in the second column under couldn't do. And eventually got three things he could do. But what was really interesting to me was the things he couldn't actually solve. And he, he came to the meeting feeling that as the CEO, as the, you know, the, 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 the banner waver, as the flag carrier, as the leader of people in his business, he had to solve every challenge. But having the three things he couldn't do placed in the second column, and then going to the third column and looking at resources and what he could actually, what he would do with that, within about an hour, he had developed a plan. And it's interesting to, to, to read in your article, which is one of the things that fascinates me the most about, you know, the challenges, bringing things, being the best of people, being, being the best of people in life. And of course, we do that from the perspective of insolvency professionals, but businesses do it from the perspective of simply running massive businesses with huge numbers and investors and lenders and all these other people. It's an interesting thing about the challenges that that the insolvency of a big company raises, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, 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 you know, as I alluded to, and as you are there, it's a, it's a very 
challenge is an inevitable part of you know our personal and business life and actually there's a way of reframing all of it which is and, and actually i go as far as to say a good ip or, or, or a good professional within the restructuring world is able to reframe these challenges as uh, getting the best out of a bad situation or dare I say it, a positive and the only reason i say that is of course you know the real currency in any personal or business growth always comes from a form of challenge simply waking up in the morning and um, you know being presented with the same comfortable targets goals objectives um, doesn't or isn't akin to growth certainly not exponential growth so um, actually it's a big part of evolution and it's a big part of how we all adapt and grow it's just being able to reframe that and go well look how can we approach this in the best manner possible and a part of that is asking for help which is definitely a human problem. And again, definitely something that all of us will struggle to it at varying degrees to do. Sometimes it'll be pride. Sometimes it'll be because we've never had to do it before. But um, if you are able to, and going back to the professional context, i.e. able to a point where you start to experience some form of challenge and you're not sure what to do and simply go, well, actually, let me have a phone call with a professional. It can make all the difference because, you know, it, it's a, it ends up being a spider web of, simple things that create a larger more complex problem that's hard to undo and then you find yourself in an administration or, or worse liquidation yeah yeah and i agree i mean completely i mean the times up you know, people come to me not just in my you know my professional capacity within the insolvency profession but as a coach as a leader as as other as, as a trainer etc and said okay look neil this is a problem i've got what shall i do I said, okay, get a pen and paper. So write down, you know, first thing to do is to invent a time machine, go back 12 months and talk to me much, much earlier because, you know, you could have done so much more about this, you know, 12 months ago, you know, you absolutely, you, you almost waited too late. And, but getting more specific in parts of the article that, that you wrote, um, you talked about one of the biggest issues facing uh, companies uh, in, in the construction sector in particular, this was the cost the cost of inflation, which of course is incredibly, um, we're, we're, we're recording this, ladies and gentlemen, on a day where we've just seen that inflation has remained at 8.4%. So it's, in, it's, a, it's a, a, a big bloodied dagger in the side of the UK economy. And of course, uh, business at the moment, generally, you talked about the inflation of labour and materials. And what I loved about your article particularly was the way you then chatted about your dad and uh, that he just, it just, um, is uh, treating himself in retirement. I just love the idea of what what you said. So, could you do the chat a bit more through, Luke, about you know about the about the cost of inflation, cost inflation, for example, in labour and materials? Yeah, and I think that it's it's no, you know, I guess to a degree, it's not news, and it's something that we've all been aware of, or certainly anyone that reads the news will be aware of. But it's it's definitely had an impact um or it's starting to now have an impact and usually the way trends work within when we see companies is there's several months or perhaps even years of stress and strain on various things such as inflation on uh, the cost of labor inflation on your materials or pressure on the supply chain and it usually takes a while for that overhang to reach us and people actually to sit in front of us so to some degree if you read as at today there is actually a slow de decrease in some of these costs, certainly materials as supply chains are now getting more fluid again. Um, but of course, we're now looking at the overhang of the best part of 18 months, but uh, with specifically in construction, and definitely the construction, um, uh, the companies we're dealing with, 
there's varying issues there. So, for example, w one major contractor that's now in administration, part of their problem was they entered into it's a massively competitive market. You've got help to buy who are uh, the government pulled that funding. So, you know, the new home building uh, sector was severely hit, although I appreciate new build um, uh, companies have now impl implemented their own deposit scheme, which may revitalize that. But the point is that made the tender process for some of these contracts far more competitive. So people were entering into two to three year fixed term contracts with prices built in, not knowing that there was going to be issues with how much people were getting paid because there was a shortage of skilled labor. And then also the increase in materials as two basic things, not least, you know, the the um, uh, simple things such as the increase in energy and how that then has a knock on effect in in using tools on site or indeed the uh, the cost of, of output of materials. So that then means you're left at a fixed price contract, but really your your margins completely uh, reduced and, and you're at some points entering into a loss making process or perhaps everyone just has to down tools and and you, you're left with no revenue coming in from that contract so there and that's only a few things to mention because i'm mindful you know we, we don't have forever to talk about these things but that that's part of what makes it very difficult to navigate and of course you can't predict all of that so it's about how you react and respond in each moment and that, that that's so true i mean that's that's really interesting and to hear it you know from my point of view from your the perspective of an frp professional just it's it's eye-opening for me i'm talking of you know, well-known professionals, the, uh, you talked about the, in your article again, about the warning given by um, Stephen Rawlinson. And um, I, I, that really interested me too. Could, would, would you mind sharing that with our, with our listeners? Yeah, I think that, you know, he was just simply saying, he's, a, he's fairly well regarded within the industry. And he was simply saying, if this is what's happening to, um, with Marshall as a FTSE 250 company, in terms of their revenue dropping and their share price dropping, then you know we it's a big alarm bell and and it's not you know it, it's not good warning signs um and i guess to, again to some degree when you read these things or talk about these things it's not um it's not an epiphany but the point is when you have someone who is well regarded as he is um saying that then that does in itself raise you know questions about well, what direction of travel is this going in and um you know, and again, as as I look at, and actually, even within that, you've got other issues such as um, one of the companies we dealt with, which actually ended up going into liquidation. They were a piling company, and, and so they do all the effectively all the foundations for all these big new builds for Barrett and Bellway, etc. And they had a massive increase in um, the cost of concrete, which meant that they had cash flow issues, which meant they had to then spend money on getting alternative funding invoice discounting which then then meant that it was a further strain on the cash flow and they couldn't com they couldn't complete the job so you know there's obviously um ongoing strain there and a bit of a bottleneck in in what's been happening but again i guess from a more positive perspective there will be a shift again because whilst inflation is there it seems to be that supply if you if you read at the moment supply chains are easing a little and some of those costs are uh, material costs are coming down as a result but it's just true. It's just true. I was just, I was thinking, you, just you were speaking as well about, I mean, there was a, I don't know if you're a keen reader of the NTI news bulletins, but we covered today, uh, you know, there's, a, with the inflation figures and whatever, and also that uh, that the um, uh, the cost of borrowing has gone over 100 points, 100% uh, 
not I, I thought mathematically you couldn't go above 100 percent but apparently you can for the first time in 62 years so the numbers are not good which means we've got the number tomorrow uh, which is going to be the one by which the monetary policy committee of the bank of england will raise interest rates some people will say you know if they do but most people listening to this will say yes they did neil and luke and they'll say they raised them by i think 0.5 percent luke what, what, what do you think in terms of a further raise yeah yeah um, yeah well i mean that seems to be the um that seems to be the direction of travel that everyone's talking about certainly um and of course that's that's interesting again because i'd appreciate we're talking about construction um but that goes back to um a lot of the 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 heart of what was happening with marshall not only in construction but also in home improvement you know and and, and how contractors are being used and how much uh, disposable income people have if the cost of borrowing or if your mortgage is doubled or trebled then how much money do you have to um to spend on home improvements and what's happening to that market and then that then feeds back into things such as retail and um and and you know there's there's murmurs of a second wave of failures within retail and i know uh, you posted on um, uh, an article the other day on what's happening with Wilco, for example. So that's another good example. So, in many ways, it becomes quite symbiotic the whole uh, or the whole discussion, the whole topic with all sectors, not just construction. Does it really does? Which means, and I think um, that means you and I are going to have many, many, many more conversations. I hope we've be able to put some of them at least onto CPD Tap Luke, I just want to say. Thank you so much for your time um, this afternoon. Well, it's, it's afternoon for us, but it's whenever it is for you listening to this. I hope you find these things interesting, good people, because um, what we want to do is do many more of the, the insight from people within the profession. I think that way we get a greater sense of where we stand within our own businesses and our own lives and our own firms. So a huge thanks to um, Luke Wilson um, from FRP. Uh, great to, to have you with us today, Luke. And I hope this is not by any means the last time. Thank you. Thanks.